This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Come Holy Spirit, we pray and fall afresh on us this day in this place. Speak to us through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a few seats at the front if anybody doesn't have one at the back. Well, that was uh, quite a reading this morning, wasn't it? It's not every week that we get to hear the scripture read in Greek, Chinese, Japanese, Hindi, Portuguese, Yoruba, German, and Hebrew. Thank you to Aaron, Yu Yu, Lisa, Seema, Debbie, Ronke, Peter, and Lex. I don't know about you, but I, I was quite overcome with that reading. I, I, I really started to tear up, and I made the foolish mistake of looking over to, uh, to where Elise is sitting, and, well, she's just, you know, bawling, so... <laughs> that, that's normal, but... Um... But, you know, that was nothing compared to that first day of Pentecost of which they were reading. For then, St. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, tells us, suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. What an amazing experience it must have been that day. What an extraordinary display of God's power to feel God's presence like a gale blowing through the place. To see God's presence on people like fire. To hear the power of God as people heard all those different languages being spoken. I wonder, where have you seen the evidence of God's Holy Spirit at work? Perhaps in the life of a loved one freed from addiction. Perhaps in the lives of people coming to Christian faith who had previously been adherents to other religions or were pursuing paganism or who had simply never believed we have certainly seen such evidence of the Holy Spirit here in our midst at Ascension in the last 18 months. Thanks be to God. I was talking to a couple in my office just this past week who told me that they have a sense of the Holy Spirit being at work in our midst in a new way in this season of our life together. And someone else said the same thing to me the week before. And I sense that also. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is a critical historical event. But that's not all that it is. For it needs also to be a present reality for you and for me. As the prophet Joel prophesied hundreds of years before, 
speaking the words of God. I will pour out my spirit on all, men and women, old and young, rich and poor, and that includes us. I wonder, are you ever tempted to think, well, if only God would answer my prayer about this, or if he would do that, if only God would help me with a particular challenge or make some problem or illness go away, well, then I would have no more doubts, and then I would devote my whole life to serving God. The truth is, however, that God has revealed himself in so many ways and with such great power. And yet, there will always be those who persist in their unbelief, just like there were actually on the day of Pentecost. Some of those that saw all this amazing stuff jeered. They've just had too much to drink. But there's more to Pentecost than a display of God's power. The Holy Spirit was not poured out uh, to prove God's power to the cynics or to do away with the need for faith. The Spirit of God was given in power for a purpose. And the primary purpose was mission. The primary purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was and is mission. The Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost in order that the disciples and all who have become followers of Christ would be equipped and empowered to do the work that we have been called to do. We need to be a people that know what it is to be a fully paid up disciple of Jesus Christ. We need, as we will see later in our service this morning in the baptismal promises, to be people who will obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in them all the days of our life. And that doesn't come with mere assent to the creeds. It takes a lifetime. A truly discipled life is a life that is devoted to loving God and loving our neighbour. A truly discipled life is a sacramental life set apart for God. And the outflow of such a life has to be mission. And you know, we don't wait for a week or a month or a year or a decade before we're ready to share the good news of Jesus. Indeed, what better way to learn and practice being a disciple than to tell and show others God's love. As we saw last week in the previous chapter of Acts, Jesus had said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be what? My witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This then is what the power is for in Pittsburgh, in your neighbourhood, to the ends of the earth. And when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, we learned that the dramatic effects weren't confined to people speaking in tongues and these other things. 
Had we read on a few more verses, we would have seen that about 3,000 people responded to Peter's sermon and accepted the call to repent and be baptised. The power of the Spirit was clearly present, working in people's hearts and in their minds to respond to that message. But I want to stress something else very important this morning. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not primarily about an experience or a particular gift of the Spirit, though certainly we may receive all manner of gifts when God the Holy Spirit fills our hearts and minds and souls. In fact, we can see evidence of that all over this room this morning. We saw a list of just a few of those gifts in our epistle reading. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is about more than that. It's about transformation. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And next week I'll have more to say about the Trinity, it being Trinity Sunday. But we declare our belief in the Holy Spirit every week in the Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And in our passage from John's Gospel this morning, it is super helpful to see how Jesus himself speaks of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The Greek word for Holy Spirit, which Jesus uses here, is paraclete, uh, not parakete, as in parrot, but from the Greek word parakletos, which we saw translated in John's Gospel this morning as advocate. As as someone who was once a legal advocate, I like this picture of one who will represent us, speak for us, and guide us. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit's services are not available by the hour or only in a crisis. (laughs) He will be with us, Jesus says, forever. Kletos can also be translated as comforter. Not as in what you put on your bed, but something different. Practically, there are times when we may become super aware of God's presence with us, comforting us and consoling us. I can think of many times when I've prayed for someone, asking God to be with them, to comfort them, and they... And I have known that peace that passes understanding. Has anybody else experienced that? Yeah. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the strength to cope in difficult times. Strength that we didn't know we had. Actually, strength that we didn't have. Or or the ability to love someone when we'd run dry. There is another way in which the Holy Spirit comforts us. In 1066, the Norman armies invaded England under William the Conqueror. And that event is commemorated in the Bayer Tapestry, which portrays a fairly detailed picture of the battle. One of the scenes depicts a column of Norman soldiers on horseback, and they're followed by the Bishop of Bayer, who is poking the last man with a rather large stick. The caption under this scene reads, Bishop Otto comforts the soldiers. (laughs) 
I suspect most of us would feel that this particular type of comfort is something we could do without. But the Greek word for comfort can also mean to urge on, to encourage to do greater things. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He prods us. He prods our consciences, our minds, our hearts, our emotions, encouraging us to do things which otherwise we wouldn't and indeed couldn't do. The third way that parakletos can be translated is as helper. God is not not only present, he is also our helper. The Holy Holy Spirit encourages us, helps us, teaches us, and reminds us of what Jesus taught. He leads us into truth. The Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus said, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit then is with us as our advocate, our comforter, and our helper. The prophet Joel writes of this pouring out on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. It's worth noting that it is right across the wall here. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit is not just for young people or Baptists or Charismatics, but it's for all those who will call upon the name of the Lord. And of course, that that prophecy from Joel was fulfilled so dramatically on the day of Pentecost. But if we're to know God today, If we're to experience his presence and power in our lives and in the life of our church, we should expect to see some tangible evidence of this. What should it look like? Now, of course, it may look like many different things. And in the scriptures, there are a number of lists. And I think they're lists by way of example. I don't think they're exhaustive at all of the types of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, ranging from things that we might view as rather unspectacular, like the spiritual gift of helping, of generosity, or administration, all the way through to what we might think of the more dramatic gifts of healing, or prophecy, or speaking in tongues. But God is the giver of these different gifts, and he gives those gifts as he chooses. But a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit cannot possibly be dead and lifeless and miserable. That would be a complete contradiction of all that we know about God, the author and giver of life in all its fullness. And so we should expect to see lives that are changed, to see prayers that are answered, to see people, and by people I mean one another, demonstrating real love, Real joy, real peace, real patience, even in the midst of great trials. I'm not saying we should be happy, clappy and smiley when life is hard. But there's a deep joy, a deep peace, a deep hope. And all of these things are signs of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet it is possible that we don't experience as much of this as I believe God would want us to experience. And one of the reasons may be because our lives get so filled up with everything else, everything else apart from God, 
St. Paul, in one of his letters, urges his readers not to quench the Holy Spirit. And sadly, it is possible for us to do precisely that. Whether out of apathy, or busyness, or fear, or simply because we want to somehow play it safe. We can hinder what God wants to do in our lives and in our church. If playing it safe means trusting in ourselves rather than in the Holy Spirit, if it means never risking anything we haven't done or experienced before, then let me tell you, that is anything but safe. Now, I know that for some, asking the Holy Spirit to fill them can seem like a rather scary prayer to pray. Because what might happen? What areas of your life might the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, challenge you about? What things that are unholy will the refining fire of the Spirit want to purify? What things will have to go to make room for more of God? Now, it might be, I mean, let's put some flesh on this that may be uncomfortable. But, you know, it might be especially challenging to pray this kind of a prayer for the Holy Spirit on the cusp of a capital campaign. I mean, what if the Holy Spirit were to convict us about generous giving in a way that we've never experienced before? I think that would be both scary and thrilling. And I'm praying that that's going to happen. But perhaps one challenge for us today on this Feast of Pentecost is to be willing to take a step of faith, to take a risk, to move into what for some may be uncharted territory, to let go of trying to play everything safely by our rules and to let God fill us with his Holy Spirit and lead us wherever he will. Now, you may not think of yourself as much of a risk-taker, but perhaps you're more of a risk-taker than you knew. You actually took all kinds of risks to come to church this morning. There was a one in two million chance of you dying by falling out of bed. And a one in 350,000 chance of being electrocuted by your alarm clock. And then while brushing your teeth, you flirted with the chance that your local water supply has infectious bacteria in it. You also endured the danger of a 1 in 2,600 chance of being zippered, snapped or buttoned into some sort of injury. Not to mention all the risks of driving to church in your cars. And think about this one. There's always the risk of your car being stolen right now as I speak. <laughs> so, all things considered, you're really rather fortunate to have made it to church at all and I just hope your car is there later. I sometimes wonder whether the danger facing many Christians today lies far more with safety than with risk. Our danger is not that we will become too wild in our experiences of God, but rather that they may be too wooden. I hope that Ascension will be a safe enough place where we get to be the family of God, where we get to be the people that he wants us to be. 
a place where it's okay to take risks, where it's okay even to make mistakes, a place where we can say sorry to one another and we can receive forgiveness, a place where we can grow in our knowledge and love and experience of God, in and through all the messiness of my life and yours, a place where the Holy Spirit has free reign to blow where he wills, May we always be open to the advocacy, comfort and help of the Holy Spirit. I hope and I pray that we may be open to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to share in and to play our part in bringing in his harvest. Jesus promised those first disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And here we are, recipients of that Holy Spirit power, charged afresh with this mandate to be witnesses in our city, in all the places where we live and work, and to the ends of the earth. We are called to proclaim Christ faithfully to the nations. And the wonderful, exciting truth is that the nations have come to Pittsburgh The nations are our neighbours. Just this past week, we received a request from the Squirrel Hill Health Centre that um, is the centre that completes the initial health screening for most of the newly arriving refugees in Pittsburgh. And the clinic was asking for our help. They'd heard about our ESL programme. Would be we willing to meet with them to talk about how this programme could help some of the refugees that they see learn English. Wow, what a privilege. What an opportunity to put our discipleship into practice by showing hospitality to our neighbours. What a wonderful time to be a Christ follower in Pittsburgh. What a wonderful time to be a part of Church of the Ascension. During Holy Communion this morning, we're going to offer an opportunity uh, for you to respond to what you've heard this morning. And the invitation is very simple. It's an invitation for anyone who would like to, no pressure, but it's an invitation for everyone to be prayed for. And to be prayed for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the way we're going to do that is during the administration of Communion, Um, There will be two clergy, uh, two in the chapel, two in the sacristy room, where people usually go for prayer ministry on a Sunday. And they will lay hands on you, they will anoint you, and they will pray for God the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Well, let me me finish, because I know I've, I've probably gone a bit long. I want to close with a prayer that you may wish to join me in the stillness and quietness of your hearts. It may be that you need intentionally to put aside wrong thoughts or actions, or to ask for God's forgiveness or healing. It may be that you're feeling very conscious this morning of your own need for a fresh touch from God, for a filling or a refilling of his Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge our need for your presence in our lives. We are sorry for too often trying to live without you. 
and for depending on ourselves rather than on you. Please forgive us and cleanse us. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Please fill us, refresh us, equip us, and empower us for your service. Lord, we want to be the living stones that you would have us be. We want the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to grow in us and be used in this place, that our neighbours may come to know and experience the light, the love, and the life of God. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.